0: On this week's episode, I sit down with Dave Lee, founder of Advanced Fundamental Health. We discuss why there is an epidemic amongst modern men suffering from low testosterone, how men can naturally increase testosterone, and an in-depth look at the options for men considering incorporating testosterone replacement therapy into their lifestyle. Welcome to the Male Mastery Podcast. Dave, welcome on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you taking the time out. So, Dave, very keen to get you on before we add a little bit of a catch-up just beforehand. Um, You're the founder of Advanced Fundamental Health. For anyone that isn't aware of the work that you do in the TRT and kind of optimization space, can you just give us a little bit of background?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, this was a space that I I never really predicted I would be in when I was younger. I used to be a musician in digital marketing for my early 20s. And um, I transitioned into this space because I had an issue myself that was unable to be solved by the Western uh, medical model. And it's quite a common story that you hear from a lot of people in this space is the system failed them. So they took it into their own hands and now they help others. So a part of what got me into it was I was originally interested in neuropsychiatry. I was interested in mental health. And that led me to hormones because it, it showed me the understanding of the relationships between hormones and how the brain works. And as a result of that now, I mean, I help people primarily with their hormone replacement therapy, but also all aspects around their hormone replacement therapy. A lot of the time, it's not just a testosterone deficiency that occurs in isolation. It's all the consequences of living with a testosterone deficiency that you have to work on. And my general niche is I, I do the troubleshooting stuff. I do the stuff where... You've been to see five or six other people and they can't work it out and then you come to me and then we get to the bottom of it. So I do the things that are a bit left to field. I I kind of, you know, dig a bit deeper into the problems that are a bit less straightforward. And um, I've been doing this full time now for three years, seen over a thousand different clients in the space all over the world. And, um, yeah, it's an absolute pleasure doing it. So,
0: I mean, you've touched upon there's so much that we can kind of unbox here the advanced advanced fundamental health, uh, neuropsychology, genetics, um, endocrinology, epigenetics, movement and nutrition. They're all connected and I think a lot of people specialize in one or the other but you are looking more from a kind of more of a, a wholeness and more interconnection through lifestyle optimization. I wanted to give you a bit of a scenario because For me, I think there's a, certainly from what I see with the male mastery community, there's a lot of men that are going wrong in life. They're just not adhering to the sort of lifestyle behaviors and habits. The scenario I've got for you, and I'm going to throw this straight at you, is that I think a lot of guys have got unrealistic lifestyle goals and expectations. Uh, They've got increased stress, we've got digital distractions, detrimental environment, intrusions, plastics, deodorants, lifestyle habits. And then you've obviously got the connection between gut health, mental health, which wasn't a thing supposedly 20, 30 years ago. Where are guys going wrong? And when somebody comes to you, how can, what advice would you give them and where to start?
1: Okay, that's a good question. Um, yeah, so to start with, I mean, yeah, everything you just outlined is completely correct. I think that one of the biggest issues that people have, particularly in the Western model, is that there's a specialist for everything, and I use car analogies a lot, but I don't understand cars that well, so they might not be the best analogies. But you know, if you've got an issue with your car, you don't go to an engine mechanic, and then you don't go to an oil mechanic, and you, you know, you go to one mechanic who checks everything out. And, and the human body has more in common with a. I like to talk about the movie Cars, where the cars are like sentient beings and they're alive. Like that's what a human is like. It's a it is a car that's conscious. It's a series of interconnected systems. And what the, the biggest point that people need to understand, I was speaking to someone about this earlier today, is that just because you don't understand how two things are connected doesn't mean they're not connected. Um, you know, muscle pain and, and compensation is often an issue. Like if you've got pain here, it can be, it, it might be that this is compensating for an issue that you're having over there. Um, but the same with the body, the, all the, all the systems that we have are deeply interconnected, um, in ways that I think that we don't really un- even understand that well yet. So a lot of my training is based on uh, a guy called Paul Czech. Um, I went through the Czech Institute. That was kind of my foundation into this space. And I think what's really, I, I, I kind of put guys in three categories. And obviously there are exceptions to the rule. And I think a lot of the time there's a crossover between all three as well. But I think there's three types of guys. One is that you've got a guy who's got some kind of underlying medical condition, which hasn't been diagnosed. So for example, he's got, Um, you know, low testosterone, but he's also got something like fatty liver disease or Hashimoto's hypothyroidism or something else that just hasn't been diagnosed and he needs a proper comprehensive assessment. So that's a separate category. But I think for, for most people who would probably be listening to this, there's kind of two categories. There's a category of guy who legitimately doesn't know what he's doing wrong. There are some guys who just believe just because of how they've been brought up, the conditions that they've been brought up around in, that they don't understand that you have to do more physical activity than three hours of of exercise a week, that you can't go and drink 15 to 20 standard drinks every fortnight and be healthy. Um, There are things that people like a lot of guys don't really understand things like macronutrients that well. They don't understand so many important things because we're just not taught them. So I think there's a bunch of guys who need to be shown what to do or what not to do. But I think for guys who are maybe at like a higher level, guys who are, you know, interested in self-improvement already you know they're not uh, virgins to the topic you know they're, they're quite into this space I very strongly believe that a huge issue that a lot of guys have is they're doing a whole bunch of things that they know they shouldn't be doing or they're not doing a whole bunch of things that they know that they should be doing and I think the first step that people need to do is make a big list and it sounds so simple but this is just what you see from experience and you see from dealing with a lot of guys is you make a list of all the things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, and you make a huge list of all the things that you're not doing that you should be doing. And just because you don't understand that these things are impacting your brain fog or your sex drive or your sleep or whatever, it doesn't mean they're not. So I think that starting with those lower-hanging fruits of just being accountable and honest to yourself and auditing your shit and understanding and going, hang on, maybe I'm not getting away with the things I'm trying to get away with, that's step one.
0: It's funny that you touched on about making the list. So something that I've been uh, involved in in the last three, four, five months is the alcohol-free lifestyle. Uh, It just wasn't serving me at all. And I think, I mean, you're based out in, whereabouts are you based currently? Lithuania. Lithuania, but originally Australian, right?
1: Yeah, originally from Perth, Western Australia, yeah.
0: And, I'm, you know, I'm from the UK. So both countries, you know, where we're from, there's a big drinking culture. And I think... It's becoming slightly unfashionable to be going out and getting absolutely shit-faced every weekend now, especially as you start to get that little bit older. And a lot of people are like, you know, it's that casual thing that we will always find in the UK. I believe it's the same in Australia is that there's always an occasion to have a drink. You go to a funeral. Let's commiserate. Let's have a beer. You're celebrating. Let's have a beer. You're stressed. Let's have a beer or a glass of wine. And when somebody gets to the point that they're actually finding it's detrimental to their overall health, but they're finding it very difficult from a social aspect to actually abstain from a set period of time, but also from uh, a place of habit, is I always say to them, make what I call an idiot list. And it's a simple pros and cons. What are the pros of drinking? What are the cons of drinking? You will generally find the cons is filled up by about 90, if not 95% of reasons. And the pros have got one or two reasons. If you do not stop drinking or you do not address your drinking, you're a fucking idiot because it is clearly in front of you. And that's just from making a simple list. And I think a lot of guys try to overcomplicate things when it comes to their lifestyle and there's so much mixed information out there be it fitness on social media be it mindset getting up having to do meditation for 20 minutes every day and they try to do too much too soon what advice would you give to somebody that is living an unhealthy lifestyle um is suffering with low mood um a lack of drive a lack of motivation they come to you and say look this is where I'm at, where would you start them off? What's that first step that they can take?
1: I think the point that you made about alcohol is excellent. I mean, I'm, I'm quite harsh when I say this, so I don't mean a lot of offence to people who get triggered by this, but I do mean a small amount of offence because it's important to get uncomfortable. I think that if you're past the age of 30 <laughs> as a male, I, I really do not think that you have the time to go out and get shit-faced every weekend. You should be doing more productive things. If you think you have the time, you're falling behind in other aspects. Um, I, I was a musician for from seventeen or sixteen until about twenty-five, um, and you know I, I was a vocalist. So drinking alcohol before getting on stage and, and screaming in a in a heavy band was like bread and butter. Like was just it was it came in the territory. And um, so I stepped away from alcohol quite early in, in my life because I I overdone it for a period. And when I would when I would see these other guys who I, I used to spend time with, you know, drinking and partying when I was younger it massively stopped their progression in life because the time that you trade drinking and being hungover, you trade for self-development. And if, if you're not actively self-developing, then you're going to start falling behind because the other people, the other men that you're competing with are doing self-development. And the thing is that if you can make self-development your hobby, I mean, you, you can replace something that is yeah. a complete waste of time. Um, the, the, I mean, I think alcohol is legitimately one of the worst recreational drugs that you can use just in terms of the degree of toxicity that it causes. Um, but if you can trade the time that you spend just partying and drinking and accomplishing nothing, not only will you have a better quality existence for all the hours that you're not drinking and your body's recovering from, you know, detoxifying the alcohol, um, but you'll have a better quality of life because of what you, you'll build and you'll work towards in that time. Um, So when it comes to what what people start with, I I do think that it's easier to get rid of the shitty things first than to start the new habits. I think starting new habits is difficult. Um, So the the process that I have guys go through, and I think it's it's quite a simple process, and I've gone through this in, in quite a few lectures that I've done, is that... It's this process of reverse engineering so i used to work in digital marketing like creating uh social media marketing funnels like back when the facebook retargeting pixel was first a thing like 2012 2014 and we'd often go through this process of reverse engineering which is going okay we want the customer to uh have this outcome you know make this conversion or this sale what are the processes they're going to go through between being exposed to my brand and, and checking out at the end and then we would map that out over multiple touch points over you know, it wouldn't just be one to two weeks. It would be three to six months of brand exposure. Um, and that was a process called reverse engineering. So you, you look at the end goal, you look at where you're at now, and then you look at the small steps of breaking down how to get from here to there. And that's what guys need to do. So what, you, what what people need to do if you're at a point where you're either not doing well or you become aware of the fact that you're underperforming in an area that you would like to achieve in is that you create this avatar. So in, in marketing, we use this term avatar, which is creating this um this kind of concept of, of this character that you could be. So if you were like designing your character, your avatar in a video game, what would you design him as? And so you're looking at, okay, what would the best possible version of myself do? What would he look like? What would his values and attitudes be? What would his habits be? What kind of house would he live in? How would he speak? How would he dress? What would his family be like? All these different things. And you break down and go, okay, not as not, what does this person who I want to be like? What do they do? No, no, it's what does the best version of myself? And then you go through all those areas and then you simply go, okay, this is where I'm at now. And this is where that person is. And then you start to look at going, okay, what are the, what are the progressive overloads? What's the 0.5 kilo plate I can add to the squat bar each week to get from where I am now to where I want to be? And if you can start to do that and then measure your progress and not how far away you are from who you want to be, but how far away you are from where you started, then that process becomes very rewarding because now you're building momentum like a snowball. So if you can just start to work that out and it comes from having a clear overall defined purpose and then long-term goals and short-term goals, and then you just have to start going, okay, what's the small daily habit, daily process, weekly thing or small goals I can start to work towards to close that gap. And then if you can start to have that as your hobby, then all of a sudden it becomes a very rewarding process.
0: Yeah, I think what I experience with a lot of people that I speak with, um, certainly people that kind of reach out for advice, is that people try to do too much too soon. So if you're down the gym and a comfortable squat for you is, I don't know, a 20 plate on either side, you don't then turn around and say, right, I'm going to start to up the weight and put double the weight on. You don't then put 40 on each side, you'll go up and you'll put a couple of two and a half. You'll put maybe a couple of fives on and you work up in small increments. And I mean, I'll give you an example, giving up alcohol. Obviously, we, you know, I put out a lot of, I, I gave up alcohol a uh, week before Christmas. And the reason that I did that is I thought to myself, do you know what, I don't want to give up alcohol. Um, and I'm abstaining from alcohol, should I say, for a year. I didn't want to do it at the same time that everybody else does it, New Year's resolution. Didn't want to get caught up in all that bullshit. So I decided to do it a week before Christmas. And a lot of people contacted me in the New Year, said, I'm going to do exactly the same. It's a new overhaul. And I always say the same, just make your priority giving up alcohol. If you don't go to the gym, get out, do a little bit of walking, but do not give up alcohol, go on a really strict diet, try to meditate every day, go to the gym five, six times a week and do an hour of cardio because you are destined for failure because it's too much too soon. If you're giving up alcohol, your body naturally is going to be craving sugar. It's going to be craving those calories. So I always say to them, don't go on a mad diet, give up alcohol, Eat what the fuck you want. If you fancy a beer or a glass of wine, go and get a pizza, go and get a burger because then that's that little treat for you. Then once you've got a week or two under your belt where you're eating what you want and you're giving up alcohol, then start to taper in your diet. Otherwise you won't lose any weight. So it's all about the small incremental behaviors and habits. And I think far too many people make the mistake of going all in and it's not sustainable. In, in terms of your experience now, I want to get on to the whole kind of testosterone TRT, which is an area that you specialize in. If somebody comes to you and says, like, you know, I've got no motivation, I've, uh, you know, lacking sex drive, whatever. What can people do, apart from getting a blood test, what can people do to increase uh, testosterone naturally? What can they do to improve their mindset, eradicate brain fog without automatically assuming that it's going to be low testosterone levels?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, I often joke, it's do all the things that your grandma told you to do. Um, you know, Go to bed early, eat whole food, don't play too many video games, all those kind of things. Um, when it comes to th- this topic, and it's it's a very good topic, and it's something that comes up a lot for me because I get a lot of people who are troubleshooting. And one of the biggest issues that people have going on TRT is they're putting a bunch of testosterone into a body which is naturally suppressing their testosterone production. So this is like you know having a Suzuki Swift that needs a service and you go to the mechanic and put puts in a Lamborghini engine. It's you, you might rip out of the car yard and have a great 20 minutes, and then it's all going to fall apart. And this is one of the biggest yeah, issues yeah. is that guys are looking at TRT as a get out of jail free card to get away with the things that they weren't getting away with in the first place. And the problem is that this is often sold to them as the solution. And that's one of the issues that guys have is they're sold a false promise. So... What I what I tell guys I go, look, if you want to have the test if you want to do TRT and you want to have the, the testosterone levels of, of a of a healthy man, you have to be a healthy man. Otherwise you are going to get side effects. And you know, you mentioned you have my friend Jay Campbell on. I mean, he's the he's the guru of this. Like he, he will explain that till the cows come home that the, the reason why people are getting these side effects and these problems is because of the systemic inflammation that their body has from the poor diet and lifestyle practices that they're leading. Which is naturally suppressing their testosterone production. And then they're working against that by putting a bunch of testosterone in, and you're putting it into an environment like the Lamborghini engine into a Suzuki Swift, yeah. that doesn't make any sense for it to be there. So what does that do? It puts a whole bunch of stress on a bunch of parts that were problematic already, but maybe you were getting away with them, and now all of a sudden you're not getting away with them. So the I often say that the the big three for people is drugs, alcohol, junk food. If you can if you can fix up your relationship with those three. That's a lot of the time the lowest hanging fruit. And that just comes from self-accountability and discipline and making a choice to drop your blasters. And I think that one thing that Paul Check talks about is that a lot of the time how sick or how far gone someone is, is not a determining factor of whether they're going to get better. The determining factor of whether they're going to get better is what purpose do they have for getting better? So if you just want to, if you just want to stop drinking alcohol or, um, you, you want to stop trashing your body just for the sake of, I just want to stop trashing my body. You're going to go right back to doing it when it gets hard or boring. But if you want to stop trashing your body because you've just found out your wife is pregnant and you want to be a good father, or maybe you've just had a, a big health scare and you, you know, had to, had the risk of losing everything, it's going to give you much more purpose and drive into actually seeing through what you need to see through. So you have to have a purpose or reason for doing what you want to do. And then the most important things once you drop your vices is looking at what fuel you're putting into your body in terms of nutrition, so input, and then what outputs you're taking out of your body in terms of movement. And if you fix up your nutrition and you fix up your movement, which is usually people uh, overeating crap and undereating nutrient-dense food, so you've got to switch that ratio around. I'm big on the 80-20 rule as long as you're actually doing the 80%. And then you've got to move more. People aren't moving enough, especially since COVID. You know, people have gotten rid of all that um, non-exercise activity that people were doing, you know, the walking to the car, the walking to the office, the walking around. That's all gone. People are moving way... Like, so many people need to understand that they need to be doing a lot more movement, even if it's not super intense movement every day. They just need to be moving more. And if for a lot of people, if they get those things right, then everything will fall into place. But there is a decent cohort of people... And I believe that this is an outcome of multiple generations being exposed to endocrine-disrupting chemicals, and we're now seeing a downstream effect, as well as just being too far gone for too long, especially during puberty and development, where some guys can fix all their shit, they can do everything right, like to a T, and their testosterone levels will still suck. And if that's the point that you're at, you get a comprehensive blood assessment, you work out if anything else is causing issues, and if it's not, and you're educated and you want to make the choice, then... That's when I advocate that guys, you know, pursue testosterone replacement therapy.
0: So you touched upon diet, and that's something that I want to raise with you, because we hear of the paleo diet, we hear of the carnivore, vegan, whatever. For me, I think it's the diet that works best for you. Uh, The same with TRT, right? You know, one man may work well on, say, one particular dose and one particular ester somebody else will be the complete opposite. And I think that's the same with our biological makeup when it comes to diet and nutrition. But is there a diet that has been proven in at least your experience that can optimize your testosterone levels? Or is there a diet that's detrimental to testosterone levels?
1: I think the vegan diet is awfully detrimental to testosterone levels. Um, Um, I think that the point that you make is very good. I think that's that's overall life, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, when it comes when it comes to th- this biochemical individuality that we all have, it's important to note that we evolved in like all of us. You know, may- maybe not you and I, but. If we look at a multicultural population, like in the UK or in Australia, we've got people who evolved from all different corners of the globe under all different circumstances. So what their biological inputs are going to thrive off is going to be very different person to person. And that's why different diets work better for different people. In general, and you know, people can argue this and, and people can debate, well, this study says this and this study says that. And you know, I, I'd be happy to debate and go through that with anyone who wants to argue the point. But the way that I look at nutrition is that nutrition is a source of micronutrients and macronutrients. And a lot of the time we obsess and fixate on the macronutrients and we don't look at the micronutrients. And then we have to look at, well, what are the roles of each of the micronutrients in the body? And you find that they're all pretty damn important for a lot of different things. But what is what I think is, is a problem is that there was a period um, in the late 1900s where industrial foods swapped out a preference of animal fat towards industrial vegetable oils. And people will argue whether the 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 vegetable oils are the problem in and of themselves or it's the ratio of omega-6 to omega-3 or whether they're oxidized and yada, 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 yada. I believe they're problematic inherently, but maybe a topic for another discussion. But what happened was when you switch the macronutrients, so if you switch out you know 50 to 100 grams of animal fat from, let's say, beef fat butter you know tallow all these different animal fats for you know 50 to 100 grams of cottonseed oil canola oil um, soybean oil and then you look at the micronutrient uh, quantities it's drastically different And so I think one of the issues that we've had is we've had a big drop in vitamins AEDK and cholesterol that we got from animal fat and then now we're looking at a multi-generational effect of that having downstream and I think that this is a big role in obesity as well. But I think this is also one of the main endocrine-disrupting factors because the fat-soluble nutrients, AEDK and cholesterol, are all integral to what's called the steroidogenic hormone cascade, which is basically how your body uses raw materials to make all the different hormones in the sex hormone pathway. So if you remove the precursors, then you're going to have a problem. But then if you keep the macronutrients in there, people are getting overfat and undernourished. And I think that this is leading to chronic disease. So, eat more so meat. one
0: thing that I do want to touch, which yeah, I mean I'm am a big fan of it. I mean I eat a very heavy uh, kind of meat based diet, but I, I I like to adhere to. I think as much natural food as I can get you know I've done the or I've experimented with the carnivore diet I think it's great short term I wanted to have a play around to see what it was like but I think long term it's not impossible to actually have a half decent life and adhere to that but I just think like you say if you hit on the eighty twenty principle eat well eat whole natural foods uh, 80% of the time and still have a life 20% of the time but I think in today's society so many people get the 80-20% The wrong way round. Clearly evident by the obesity um, issues that we see time and time again. I mean, that was, I don't know if you've seen it on social media, but they showed you a picture of Venice Beach in the 70s and a picture of Venice Beach in the present day. And it, it looks like two different worlds. You've got the majority 99. I didn't actually see a fat person there back in 1970. And now, you know, seeing a slim person's few and far between. I think it's just accepted now that everyone is bigger. And it doesn't necessarily play out when it comes to optimizing your health now another thing that I want to touch upon here is environmental issues now we hear of climate change some call bullshit on it other people know it's a real thing how detrimental are or is our environment to testosterone levels and you know what I mean by that but just for the listeners out there things like deodorants moisturizers plastics and things like that
1: is that a real thing I think when we look at, if we, if we put everything kind of in a bucket together in terms of like the diet factor, the lifestyle factors, the social factors in terms of, you know, toxic masculinity, and there's a a real lack of, um, rites of passage that young men go through and encouragement towards activities that develop and hone things like bravery and courage. And then you put the, you know, the, the actual endocrine disrupting chemicals in there, the pollutions, the pesticides, the things that you mentioned. I think they all play a role. And I think in terms of being like, how much of a role does X or Y play? I don't think we're ever going to get enough data on that to go number one culprit, followed by this, followed by that. But I think the environment is a big factor. And, and, you know, I like I I live in the middle of a national park at the moment. I'm very blessed to be able to do that. And I know that my overall physical and mental health is far better when I'm more connected with nature than when I am in the city. And i think that things like pollution are affected with that as well but i think that as you touched on like the things like you know the soaps the detergents the pesticides um all the things that we lather and cover our body with unnecessarily because we've been told from marketing content that that's what we must do is something which i don't think we fully understand the impact of of what level of magnitude that has but i also think that it is an easy thing for us to change like to go, I mean, I've I've been using natural, you know, soaps and and toothpaste and deodorants and cleaning products for well over a decade. I mean, I stopped using that crap when I was a teenager, um, and I think it's a very easy thing to to do. To go down to your bathroom and to take out all the shower gels and the soap and replace them with natural products. I think that that's a very easy thing to do. I think it's easy to open up the kitchen sink and take out all the harsh floor cleaners and and all these place them with easy, cheap, uh, effective natural options. And I think that. That's something where day to day we can go. Okay, I'm going to be improving my exposure to these things. Just like I often, I often joke about the shaker bottles, like the protein shaker bottles, and and joke about you know grown adults drinking their drinks from a brightly colored clear plastic bottle. I mean, that's what children drink from, and that's a problem. Um, so I think that there are easy things that you can do. You can get, you can, you can minimize your exposure to plastics. You can minimize your exposure to these chemicals. But I also think that living in a modern world, they are to a degree inescapable. And even if you do escape from them today, you can't undo the fact that you weren't aware of these things and your parents weren't aware of these things when you were growing up. So it is part of your biology. But I think that they are they are easy changes that you can make. I encourage people not to get obsessive and weird about them because I think that can have more of a negative impact on your overall mental health than the exposure to these things. But I think that they are a factor and I think that they are something which is it's an easy change to make that you can go and make tomorrow does have an outcome. Absolutely. But how much of an outcome it has, I don't think we're going to see that literature in any time soon. Well,
0: I think from a realistic perspective, it's just another aspect of the lifestyle that you live. I mean, I'm based in Thailand for the best part of the year. And whilst You know, I love all of their more local produce. You know, you can go down to, you know, a couple of side streets and there's someone selling, you know, organic fruits and vegetables. There's someone cooking up organic meats. Then they go and put that organic fruit and vegetable into a plastic bag. And before you know it, you've come back with home cooked food, uh, nice and organic, natural food, but it's all in plastic bags. So it's that balance, isn't it, of the lifestyle. You've got people out there that have never smoked a cigarette in their life, yet they die through lung cancer. I think it's being aware and making conscious decisions, not let it dictate and overcome your life, but it's what feels good to you. It's about being aware, making that more conscious decision on the way that you actually live your life. Now, moving on, we've spoken about numerous things that can impact natural testosterone. We've touched upon things that you can do to increase natural testosterone. Let's talk testosterone replacement therapy, TRT, because you're an expert within that field. If someone's coming to you and they've tested for low testosterone levels, can you just give us a bit more of an insight and explain to the listeners the difference between overall testosterone, free testosterone, and the different types of tests that are out there for people to take and what they should be aware of?
1: Sure. So if if you're looking to get some blood work done, the most important thing to do is to, like, is to understand that blood work is a snapshot in time. It, it's a measurement of what was floating around in your blood at that minute, on that hour, at that day when you got it done. So the first thing to do when you get your blood work is you don't get it done a Monday morning after you were binge drinking on Saturday night. You get it fasted first thing in the morning after a couple of days of rest, not when you're sick, when you're in a good state of health, and you see where you're at. And one of the biggest mistakes people make when they're looking at their blood values is looking at values and isolation. And it's like going back to the, the mechanic scenario. Like if I take my car to the mechanic and I say, hey, it's not driving right, there's a problem with it. Look at one area and go, oh yeah, that's the problem. I would hope not. He would go through and he'd, he'd do a full assessment, a full audit of the vehicle and find out what the problems were. And that's how blood work needs to be. Values and isolation have very little meaning and sometimes can actually create the wrong impression, which can cause more harm than good. So it's very important that when you get your blood work done, you don't just get a snapshot of, oh, I'm just going to check what my testosterone is, or oh, I'm just going to check what my lipids are, or I'm just going to check what this small component of my thyroid is today. You have to look at everything because there are connections and relationships between all your different blood values. And it's important to find a practitioner, someone who knows how to interpret everything together, who's going to give you an unbiased, i.e. they're not trying to sell you a bunch of shit that you don't need. They're going to give you an unbiased opinion on going, okay, here are the symptoms that you're having, and here's what's showing up in your blood work, and here's how they could be related, and here is the interventions that we can move through in order from least invasive to most invasive, because we don't start by using the chainsaw. Like that's it's it's the as we move through interventions, there are some triggers that can't be unpulled. So there are things that we need to go. Okay, what's the easiest thing to start with here? What's going to make the biggest difference? And that's when they should be going. Okay. The stuff I talked about before, the things that you should be doing that you're not doing and the things that you shouldn't be doing that you are doing. You kind of go through those things and you work out where there might be some deficits. Some people think that it is okay to drink 15 cups of coffee a day. Some people think that it's normal to have three standard drinks every night with dinner. Some people think it's normal to sleep three hours a night. Like these are things that if you, if you are doing these things and you're having problems in your blood work, they will show up. And if you don't have a practitioner who asks these questions it's very easy to get diagnosed with a disease where it's actually a lifestyle problem. And that's why it's important that someone goes through and works it out. So when we're looking at testosterone, we're generally looking at total testosterone, which is how much testosterone you're either making or if you're on TRT, how much you're injecting. So that's how much the the testicles, in, in the case if you're not on TRT, how much they're producing. And then free testosterone is a measurement of the testosterone that isn't bound by two binding proteins. One's called sex hormone binding globulin, SHBG, and the other one is called albumin. And they bind up vast, vast, vast majority of these sex hormones you make. So the amount of free testosterone you have left, that's the hormone that has a negative impact with the pituitary glands. So when I talk about negative impact or negative feedback loop, sorry, it's this idea of going, okay, if I've got a glass here, the body has these signals that will say, oh, the glass is empty, we need to pour more in. And the glass is full so we need to stop pouring so the free testosterone is what's creating that signal to go okay does my body have enough testosterone and if we're looking at a state of what's called hypogonadism which has either occurred from a primary issue where your testicles are problematic or a secondary issue it's a signaling problem we can also measure these uh, hormones yeah hormones called gonadotropins which is LH and FSH, luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone. And we can see if those are elevated and your testosterone levels stuck, that means that there's a problem with the testicles. So your brain is going, hey, the glass is empty. You need to pour more in, but there's no water left in the bottle. The testicles aren't working. Or the brain's going, no, we don't need to make any more testosterone. And it's basically saying, hey, we know the glass is empty, but we don't want to pour anymore. And then we'd be looking at well, why is that happening? And this is the most common thing. And that's the scenario when you're doings that is suppressing your body's hormone production because we know that the human body has a priority, reproduction is down the bottom, and survival is at the top. So if you're doing something wrong, your resources will be focused more towards stress hormone output and what's called the parasympathetic state, which is fight or flight, and it will be diverted away from the rest, digest, reproduce state, which is the parasympathetic which means that your body is suppressing its testosterone production. But you need someone to be able to sit down and go through all this and understand what's going on rather than just going, oh, yeah, numbers low. Here's your TRT sealer.
0: Which is what you see, I think, in so many untrained um, people out there that have set up TRT clinics. But I also think that the issue that we've got over in the UK, and I don't know what it's like uh, in Australia, but there is a huge lack of knowledge about testosterone, testosterone replacement therapy with the NHS, which is our national health service. Um, unfortunately, through my own experience and through hundreds of guys that I've spoken to, they just do not have any insight. And when it comes to guys approaching them and saying, look, here are my symptoms. Not only is there an ignorance, but there's also a reluctance to test for testosterone levels. So, for example, as a lot of the listeners know, I tested uh, earlier on this year. I tested uh, for low testosterone. Um, I was living the optimized lifestyle, as it were. So I thought, look, I need to look into TRT. I'm 44 years old, um, busy entrepreneur. Busy doing business, but I was lacking in certain areas, suffering with low mood, a little bit of anxiety, uh, brain fog, motivation, uh, and I looked into it. Now, when I got back and I contacted the NHS, I went through, give them all of my symptoms, and literally, without meeting me face to face, spoke with a doctor. Antidepressants, SSRIs, without looking at my body language, without looking into the whites of my eyes and unfortunately or at least unfortunately for the doctor is I know a thing or two about TRT testosterone and all of the symptoms I would say unless it's of interest to you and you speak with people like yourself you're part of the male mastery community you're not necessarily going to know that TRT exists and will just okay well the doctors prescribe me these antidepressants the doctor knows best I'm going to take them this is what we're faced with over in the UK um, is that you're being misdiagnosed uh, they've been very uncooperative and there's just a stigma attached to testosterone replacement therapy what's it like in Australia
1: I often joke that Australia and the UK are equally bad just in different different ways Um, in Australia it's it's much the same I, I think that there are a lot of uh, and I won't go too far down the rabbit hole with this, but I think that there is a, a lot of um, consistencies between the way that uh, Australian doctors and UK doctors are, are, are trained to practice medicine. One of the reasons I dropped out of my master's in neuropsychiatry was because I was raising questions, you know, just in, in the classes and in the lectures, not being a smart ass, just genuinely asking and looking into the fact that these medications were essentially getting matched up to symptoms, but we weren't learning or understanding. How this was a problem, and then how these medications were actually solving a problem, and lo and behold, they have a very, very poor success rate. I mean, you know exercise will outperform ssRIs in most clinical trials because the monoamine hypothesis of of depression has been disproven thoroughly and even more so in the recent years. Um, so the problem is that when you go to the doctor, if you walk in and you say, "Hey, I'm having these feelings of depression or you know whatever you're rocking up with and saying." they are trained and they are instructed to go, okay, here's your SSRI, no blood work, not not even a referral to a psychologist, not a referral to a psychiatrist, mm. nothing like that. They are trained as a frontline treatment to trial an SSRI and if that fails, they are instructed to try another SSRI and then only when that fails, they are then instructed to refer you off to a psychiatrist who is most likely going to prescribe you, unfortunately, an even bigger cocktail of this shit. And the problem is that no one at any point in this is looking at going, okay, maybe the depressive symptoms or the issues that you're having are related to an input-output issue in terms of you're not feeling well because you're doing something wrong or, and this is sometimes difficult for people to hear, you're depressed because you're living you're leading a depressing life. I think that when we look at these mental health issues, I, I, you know, they often put anxiety and depression together in Australia. I'm sure it's the same as the UK, anxiety and depression. Yeah. I think that for a lot of people... And I, I, You know, I'm not going to profile people, but I think for the majority, anxiety leads to depression, at least in men. I can't speak for women because I don't really understand how females work. But when we look at how men work, I think that what happens when a man becomes anxious is he loses confidence, he loses self-esteem. And then that leads to this condition, which I affectionately refer to as paralysis by analysis. You get overwhelmed by everything. So you become paralyzed and you don't do shit. And then I think the problem with that is as you become paralyzed, you become stagnant, you lose momentum and then life starts to get on top of you. And I think that once you lose your momentum and grind to a halt, when you become anxious and afraid and stressed by just the idea of cleaning your room and doing your chores and going to the work and going to the gym and just eating a good diet, when those things become too difficult, it becomes very easy for your life to become a depressing life. And I think that's what, for a lot of the time, leads to depression. It's this state of, of what I would call learned fear or, or chronic fear leads men to having the outcome of their life being depressing. And I think that one of the most important things when we look at how testosterone works is testosterone, testosterone is not an intoxicant. It is not something that is going to turn you into Superman, but it is something where if it is deficient, you are going to have less biological buffers against stress. So now things that are difficult and more challenging aren't going to feel rewarding or, oh yeah, I want to get on top of this and, and see what I'm made of. It becomes fear and afraid and everything seems too hard and, and I, I just want to go and hide and do the minimal amount of things just to get through and I just want to survive. And I think that when you become, when, when you're in a monologue, your identity, your consciousness becomes shaped by that and that becomes your identity of who you are, I think it makes perfect sense why men with low testosterone have, have issues with their mental health. And when you if you go through a list of major depressive disorder symptoms, you go through a list of inattentive ADHD, you go through a list of anxiety or generalized anxiety or social anxiety disorder, and then you go through a list of symptoms for testosterone deficiency or thyroid deficiency, you'll find that you can just match them all up to one another, and they're all crossed over. And it doesn't mean that every case of depression and anxiety is hormonal. I've seen guys with amazing hormone levels with terrible mental health, um, and I've seen guys with terrible hormone levels with amazing mental health. It's not the only thing that causes it, but it is a chief contributing factor, not only to the cause of the pathology, but also as a catalyst towards helping guys get to a point where they can get their shit back together, which is what what the aim of the game is. I mean,
0: there's a lot to add to what you've just said there. And I think without kind of going down that rabbit hole on it is that you're exactly right, is that there are so many other factors um, when it comes to your testosterone levels. The NHS, you know, they're not going to, in in the environment and society that we're in at the moment, um, people can't, you, you know, it's the cancel culture. You can't upset someone. So when somebody goes in, we've got a big thing over in the UK where it's online consultants. Uh, they, they, you know, they consult with you. They don't actually physically want to see you. So when they're quick to turn around and say, "Well, we can prescribe you SSRI's, antidepressants," they've not looked at you from a you know from a physical perspective. You could be hugely obese, so you know what's the first port of call? Lose some weight. You could walk into a doctor's surgery and stinker cigarettes and alcohol. They could then turn around and say, "We well, need to adhere to better lifestyle habits." Very very quick over here, just to turn around and say, "Well, there you go. It's antidepressants or it's sleeping tablets or it's Valium for, um, you know, your anxiety." And unfortunately, I think we're in that society where, you know, people want that magic pill. You know, we touched upon the whole thing with TRT. I said to a few people I was speaking with a couple of weeks ago, I said, it isn't TRT, when you get on it, is only going to reflect who you are as an individual and the lifestyle that you lead. You're not going to turn into Superman. If you're a lazy, out of shape, unmotivated person, T.R.T. isn't going to make you a supermate, super motivated, rip with a six-pack person. You've got to want to achieve that and adhere to the lifestyle that's going to allow you to obtain that. It isn't a magic pill, but we're in a society where people want that magic pill, which is why you know cosmetic procedures are the thing. Liposuction, you know, we we suck a stone of fat out of you rather than going down the gym, adhering to a, a decent. You know, diet, people want that quick fix. We're in that microwave society where it's, I don't want to work for it. I just want to press a button, take a pill, take a potion, you know, swallow a drink that's going to get us the results here and now. TRT to any of you guys listening to this podcast is a lifelong commitment. And in order for TRT to work, if you are at the point where TRT is your only option, TRT isn't that magic pill. It will allow I think the easiest way to describe it, it will open the door for you, but you have to want to walk through the door
1: in order to achieve what you want to achieve. Would you agree with that, Dave? Yeah, I I like the sayings. I think that the sayings often resonate and and, and they hold true. And, you know, we have this, um, again, going back to marketing, there's this saying which is like in terms of, you know, leading a customer to the checkout, it's you can lead a horse to water and you can't make it drink um and i think the TRT yeah. is very much like that and um we have this saying in in working with plant medicines which is that when it comes to doing therapeutic work with things like suicide or ayahuasca this concept of, of what what's called meeting the medicine halfway which is that you know people go to these yeah. you know ceremonies and and they have these interventions and they think that they're going to take this drug or drink this drink and it's just going to heal all their problems and in reality, they have to show up with an intention, and then when things get difficult, they have to work with that medicine to get the outcome that they're looking for. And I think that with TRT, it's it's exactly the same. It's you know taking your testosterone levels up to the level of of a man that you idolize. It, it wasn't just the high testosterone levels that got him to where where he is now. Testosterone may make you more predisposed to wanting to do certain things that are good for you because now. When you go to the gym, it doesn't feel as awful. Um, but it's not going to get you off the couch and go, oh, fuck yeah, I want to go to the gym. And I see this happen day in, day out. And and the thing is, and I was saying this in the podcast the other week, is that I understand the logic in, in terms of in people's defense. I understand the logic. If, if you're not particularly health-minded, if you're not science-minded and this is all new to you, and you're sitting there going, okay, I felt like dog shit. I was at like a one out of ten. And then I took a bunch of testosterone and that got me up to a five out of 10 without even doing anything. Then it makes sense to think, okay, well, more testosterone is going to take me up to a 10. Like that that's a very logical conclusion to get to from what happened. The problem is it's not real. And the thing is, because what testosterone is going to do is it's going to, if you're a house, testosterone is coming in and it's fixing the foundation. So it means that when you're going in and making the repairs, they're not going to keep falling apart on you. you know, if you've got low testosterone, And you go and do the perfect progressive overload program and you do, you know, you you do the perfect, you know, match and diet, you do everything right. You're not going to get the results that you deserve. And one of the hardest things that guys need to, and the process that's very difficult for guys to go through, which is what they offer the coaching on is to go, okay, you know, that thing that you tried to do 10 times and it didn't work. I need you to go and do it the 11th time, but this time it will work because we fixed the foundation. And that can be very difficult to do. That can be very daunting to do, but it can also be something where I think for men, one of the most important things in getting men the outcome they need is that we need to logically understand things. So I think for guys who can sit down and go, Okay, this is why ah, oh, okay, this is why this program worked for all my buddies, but it didn't work for me. This is why I've been trying so hard and not getting the results. It's not because I'm a piece of shit or I'm defective or I'm not trying hard enough, it's because the foundation was broken. And I think that there can be a lot of compassion. I think there can be a lot of empathy, I think there can be a lot of healing in working through that process and going, ah okay, there was actually something that needed healing. but now that I've fixed that issue, it's not going to heal me. I now need to go out and do the work, but this time it's going to work And I think that it is so just, like with what you were leading on to before, it's like there is so much there are so many stories and so many of these paradigms that exist in in Western health models that are very disempowering it's oh you're depressed it's because you were born with a chemical imbalance and there's nothing that you can do to fix it oh you've got ibs there's nothing you can do to change your diet that's going to stop you shitting your brains out three times a day like there's these these stories that we're told which are just absolute fucking fallacies which are not true and i think when it comes to trt it's something which is very empowering to go hey I can inject you or you can inject yourself with, with half of the work and you need to go out and do the other half. And I, I like to look at testosterone like a multiplier. So if you're doing zero and you multiply zero by two, it's still zero. Yeah. But if you, if you have a whole bunch of stuff that you're doing and then now testosterone is multiplying that all by two. All of a sudden, the more you do over this side, the more this is going to lead towards because it's multiplying everything that you're doing. It's not adding to. And I think that if guys can look at it like that and go, ah, okay, this is a force multiplier for all the shit that I should be doing anyway. And now it's going to not just work okay, but it's going to work really well. That's when we can go, okay, now it's rewarding to train. Now it's rewarding to eat well. Now it's more rewarding to go to bed early on a Friday night, get up and go for a hike than it is to go out and have 10 standard drinks. And I think that that's where the healing begins and then it's a process that takes time
0: i've there's certainly a lot to unpack there for all the listeners out there i think they're going to get a huge amount of value for that but you've also just opened up a can of worms which i want to touch upon Uh, we're going to segue in a bit but first guys for all of you listening out there i hope you've been enjoying the information that dave's been putting out um we're going to bring this part of the podcast to a close but i'm also going to do a quick fire round everything trt everything testosterone replacement therapy and that's going to take place and the content's going to be put out on the malmastery youtube channel so that's going to be exclusive to the malmastery youtube channel i urge you all to go over there if you're interested in TRT, want to know the best esters, the best protocol, everything TRT related, head on over to Malmastery over on YouTube and you can find all of the information there. Dave, as we draw this particular podcast to a close, I want to speak to you afterwards, uh, about, um, plant medicines and things like that, because it's something I've got a huge passion for. And also something I speak about a lot on the podcast as well. But beforehand, um, I want to ask the question that I ask all of our uh, guests. What's your definition of success?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I kind of have two. I, I think that if, if we look at it on a, on a micro level, I think my definition of success, and I know that this sounds cl- like cheesy and cliche, but I don't care because it's true. We, it, I think that it's true is doing what you know is right. I think I think that re- that's w- what it really comes down to is, is doing what you know is the right thing on a day-to-day basis. I think that we are who we are. I think we, we are best to judge ourselves by our actions and how we show up when no one's around as opposed to how we act and what we say when we're in front of other people being judged. And I think that if we can have our own moral compass in just waking up each day and just doing the things that we know are the right thing to do, whether it's the right thing to ourselves or the right thing to our community or the right thing to our partner or whatever, that to me is someone who's successful because you have not only left the world, and that's going to lead into my second point, left the world a better place than you found it, but I think it's also you, you're, you, you've got this purpose and you've got a, you've got integrity, which I think a lot of people lack. And I think looking at it from a macro level in terms of purpose, in terms of like what I would like to deem as successful when I, you know, come to a close in this existence is I would like to think that I li- left the world a better place than I found it. And I'd like to think that the world was a better place because I was in it. And I think that that's, that's something that I've believed for a while and worked towards for a while. And to me, that that is success.
0: I like the answer. And we spoke briefly uh, before we hit record. You've got some business ventures taking place, uh, obviously, in uh, coaching programs and that that you do. But you've also got a clinic opening up in Australia. Can you give us some details on that?
1: Yeah, so everything's still getting processed at the moment. But one thing I've been working towards for a while is to be able to Um, expand my ability to work with clients. Um, One of the best uh, challenges I've had in my business is reaching capacity in terms of I only have X amount of hours in a day and I can only take on, you know, Y amount of clients uh, to be able to actually, you know, finish what we start. Um, And that's been something which is bottlenecks for me for well over a couple of years. So I'm currently in the process of, uh, and, you know, depending on when this podcast comes out, hopefully it's all gone through where um, I will be having a, a clinic that I can have um, much more influence in terms of how things are prescribed. I think one of the biggest issues with TRT in terms of getting access to TRT is getting access to TRT done right. And I think that that's something which is a huge deficit at the moment in, in the TRT space, particularly in Australia. And one thing that I did last year, um, and I'll be releasing my follow-up book to it this year, is for anyone who wants to check it out, I've got a I've got a book on my website, advancedfundamentalhealth.com. It's called TRT 101. And I wrote it as I wrote it with the intention of writing an instruction manual that came with a video game that I would have got when I was a kid. It's, you know, I think there are some great books on TRT, you know, Jay Campbell, who's on this podcast, he, he wrote the, the, the TRT Bible, or the TOT Bible. Um, that's, my, my book is not a version of that. My book is an adjunct to that. And my book is a straight to the point, very easy to understand instruction manual that you can download and go, oh, okay, these are the best practices for TRT these are all the things I need to know before approaching a clinic, and this is how I can work through going from before starting TRT to getting my protocol dialed in. And I think that while there is no cookie cutter approach for TRT, I think there are definitely templates, and I think that there are definitely rules that things kind of fall into. And while people will deviate a little bit, I think that having an having an instruction manual like this that you can refer back to and skip all the noise in the space is very important. So For the time being, uh, for people in Australia or people internationally who want to get access to my way of doing TRT and maybe don't have access to work with me one-on-one, you can check out the uh, the TRT 101 book. And where can people get hold of your social media and the website? Yep. So uh, advancedfundamentalhealth.com is my website. I've got a private Facebook group that you can join on there where I do Q&As every week. Um, and then I've also got an Instagram account, which is I'm Dave Lee. So um, I do a lot of Q&A content on there, but most of the content that I post is in my group. Um, I've also got a huge amount of content on the TRT and Hormone Optimization channel on YouTube. And uh, for working with me one-on-one for, for coaching, uh, you can contact me via the website
0: guys, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I know I certainly have. Uh, Again, head on over to the YouTube channel if you want to know more information about uh, Dave's expertise on TRT. It's something that I'm committed to spreading more awareness about, certainly for people in Europe and the UK. It's um, something that I'm very passionate about, as I am bringing you the very best Leading world experts for lifestyle optimization and lifestyle design. So, like, share with your friends, do me a solid and leave a review. Head on over, give Dave a follow, check out everything that he's got. An absolute leading expert in the uh, world of optimization and TRT. So, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Dave, appreciate you taking the time out. Thank you for having me. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, I appreciate your support in helping me build Mal Mastery into the success that it is. In addition to this podcast, I've recently launched the Male Mastery YouTube channel, which covers everything from lifestyle optimization, mindset and performance, entrepreneurship, lifestyle design, and everything testosterone. If you get value from the content that I put out on this podcast, I'd appreciate you leaving me a review on your preferred podcast platform, which helps me build the brand and reach more men. Remember, you only live once, so make it count.